Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> um, who stayed up to watch the game? Uh, if y'all didn't stay up, the Aggies and the LSU Tigers, seven overtimes, most points in college football history, tied for the longest game in history, unbelievable. And they won, which they usually don't. So <clears throat> that was really exciting. Um, and it's interesting that we're talking about worship today because it, at the end of the game, I was just like, I'm about to preach on worship tomorrow, and this 110,000 people are worshiping this football team in a more fervent way than I've ever seen people worship Jesus. It was really telling to the way that we experience worship, the way that we are confronted with worship. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And that wasn't meant to be a downer, because I know that many of us in our, in our hearts and our spirits love worship. And worship does bring us back to a centering um, with the Father, and, and it brings us to a place of healing and peace. But it was pretty crazy to see those Aggies last night. So um, so we are at the, at the end of our series. We're uh, at Psalm 145 today. 145 um, is the last psalm of David. So uh, it's the last psalm of David, but it's also the beginning of the last five psalms of the book of Psalms, which are the hymns of praise. When we go into these hymns, or to these psalms, or these hymns, these songs, as they would have known them, um, what we see is kind of a weird transition. And so in a, in a typical psalm, you'll see the layout be kind of an acknowledgement of who God is, whether it's the sons of Korah writing the psalm or David writing the psalm or someone else that we maybe don't know. You kind of see this acknowledgement of God, this praise of God, hey, he's given us good things. And then a lot of psalms have this kind of, hey, kill these people over here for me too because they're bothering me. And then kind of a return back to the praise of God and, <clears throat> and his good works. And something that we've talked a lot about with, with the book of Psalms is the realization that it does cover the entire spectrum of emotion. And so the Psalms, they're, they're not, they're not a, it's not a book of the Bible that hides anything. It's this full openness of the human heart and what it experiences in every situation from all the way from joy to sadness to fear and anger. Um, I'm really glad we're ending on 145. Drew has put a lot of work into this series, and um, I'm sure there was a lot of intentionality behind it, right? Oh, yeah. And it's just a really beautiful psalm. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through it. It's on page 524, right? Great. So let's all turn there together. The black Bibles um, are there for you. That's what page it's on in those Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, um, that black Bible is yours. That's our gift to you because we want everyone to have a physical copy of the word that they can go to. So let's read Psalm 145. In the ESV, it's titled, Great is the Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. 
One generation shall commend your words to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness, and they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of God. So, worship um, is... For me, reading through this psalm this week, the past two weeks really, um, this is a psalm of worship, but I think what it's really getting at is a heart of thankfulness. And in this psalm, there's so many things to be thankful for. Um, in this psalm alone, all of these things are named. And I just titled this little section, God, I'm thankful for dot, dot, dot. God, I'm thankful for your works, your mighty acts, your majesty, your wondrous works, your awesome deeds, your greatness, your abundant goodness, your righteousness, your grace, your mercy, your slowness to anger, your ability to abound in steadfast love, your goodness to all, your glorious kingdom, your power, your dominion, your faithfulness, your kindness, your nearness, your satisfying and fulfilling my desires, you're hearing my cries and your preservation of me. That's one psalm. One psalm. One commentator said David used his entire vocabulary for this one psalm. And in thankfulness, in the thankfulness for those things, we offer our thankfulness through worship. And there's a great need for worship from God's people because in the scriptures, in the Old and the New Testament, what we see is that when a vacuum is created by God's people not worshiping him, nature will fill the void. Ralph Waldo Emerson says that the happiest man or woman is the one who learns from nature the lessons of worship. In Isaiah 55, 12, it says that the mountains and the hills 
before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the, of the field will clap their hands. In Luke 19.40, Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The these in that verse are believers in Christ. And who he's talking to is the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are telling them to be quiet. Luke 19.40 also refers back to the Old Testament into the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 11. And in it is described the various parts of a house that are crying out even though the inhabitant lives in sin and oppresses the people around them. There's also an alluding to Christ being the cornerstone, which we know he in his life cried out when others did not or refused to, he being Jesus. When others refused to cry out in worship and in thankfulness to the Lord, Jesus would fill that gap. So in what ways are we called to worship? Well, the Psalm, Psalm 145 tells us in uh, verse 21, we see that we're supposed to be thankful in our actions. So it says, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Theodore Roosevelt said, we can best prove our thankfulness to the Almighty by the way in which on this side are on this earth, and at this time, each of us does his duty to his fellow men. So in action, what does is, what is thankfulness and worship really look like? Well, these folks here show us one form of worship in that they get up and they offer their gifts and their talents through song and through uh, the playing of instruments, right? And that's shown to us, like Tiff said, that's shown to, shown to us all throughout history, um, starting way back in the Old Testament. Um, but there's also this uh, thing that we have to realize in ourselves is that we have gifts and talents that we are called to give to the people around us and that in doing so, what we're actually doing is saying, these things that God has built in me, these things that Jesus is beginning to reveal uh, are the things that I'm gonna use to worship. One of those things for me is um, I love listening. Um, and so uh, over time, what I've realized is that for some reason, um, I just have this innate ability to listen well. Um, and it looks different in certain, at certain times and in certain ways, but that's one thing that um, I want to use that God has given me to offer worship and in worship in thankfulness to him. So many of y'all have those things too. Some of you know what they are right off the top of your head. Some of you are very clear on what those things are. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And the great thing about that is that as we begin to excavate into the character of Jesus, what we do, what we see is him using his gifts that God has given him to bless the people. And so as we, be, as we continue to read through the Gospels, we see ourselves in Christ and Christ in us. And that's how we begin to learn about those giftings as well. The second way is we, do, is we offer thankfulness and worship through words. And this is uh, mentioned a few times in the psalm, actually, but in verses 6, 7, and 21, it says that we shall speak of, we shall sing aloud, and my mouth will speak. Singing, speaking, writing, 
painting, drawing, building, sculpting, fixing. These are, again, these are all things that we are going to offer the Lord to show him our thankfulness through the worship of the gifts that he's given us. Fyodor Dostoevsky says, so long as man and woman remains free, they strive for nothing so incessantly and so painfully as to find someone to worship. A lot of us worship um, things in our lives that are not God. That's what Fyodor is kind of talking about there. This longing to offer those gifts that I was speaking about to something, to give ourselves up for something that's worthy of them. But often, most of the time, when that thing is not the Lord, we see those gifts hitting brick walls, bouncing back in our face, not being used to the fullness of their extent. And so as we painfully and incessantly strive to find something to worship, what we see is that when that thing becomes the Lord, as we see here in Psalm 145, David offering everything he has in worship of God, we see a newness of life, a refreshment of life, a fervent love for God in the worship and the thankfulness of the things that he's offered us and the things that we have. Why? do we worship? It is the why, it is in the why that we find ourselves asking the major questions about worship. Why is worshiping hard for me? Some of you this morning, even though we had a great worship team singing great songs and doing it really well, some of you just kind of deadpan. I know I experience that from time to time. Why don't I feel God when I worship? Why even worship? Those are hard questions. And I think at the root, when I am worshiping, when I am presented with a time and a place where I can offer myself, my spirit, my heart, my mind in worship, and I don't feel, and that's, that's a really tough word to use, feel. When I don't feel like worshiping, it is often because I am not living in thankfulness of what God has given me and what he's doing for me in my life. Now, I, our family did it on Thanksgiving Day, and I'm sure a lot of y'all did too. You stand around in a circle before the meal, and we're thankful for a blah, 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 right? And they're great prayers, and there's a lot of goodness in that. But you say the prayer, and you fill up the plate, and that's it, Right? So how do we turn it from a moment, uh, from a kind of moment to moment thankfulness to living a life that is a continual praise of thankfulness? Well, <clears throat> one way we can do that is through the thankfulness of daily practice. Um, Sydney and I, I think it was. Uh, our counselor when we lived in Austin. He uh, did our pre-marriage counseling for us. He did our, our uh, counseling first after we'd gotten married and then counseling a few times after that. Uh, side note, if you're married or about to be married or in a relationship and you're going to counseling, that means you're healthy. That means you're in a good relationship. Some of you need to go to counseling. Talk to Drew, okay? 
This is a safe place, right? Some of you need to go to counseling and find healing. Healthy couples go to counseling. They seek reconciliation and healing. Okay. Side note, sorry. But Sydney and I were taught this, this game. It, it's just it's the thankfulness game. And in our marriage, we play the thankfulness game when one of us is in a really bad mood. So typically, the game starts like this. Okay, honey, do you want to... I, I, I really think we should play the thankfulness game. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> and then it starts real small. Like, you know, the person who offers, who wants to start the game... Okay, I'm thankful for um, I'm thankful for the trees, and then it's tip- Sydney's the one who 99% of the time Sydney is wanting to start the game, <laughs> and then you know I'm thankful for nothing. <laughs> okay, I'm thankful for our children. Okay, I guess I should play. Okay, I'm thankful for my wife, right? And you begin to just cast off the narcissism of the world by being thankful for the very simple things that God has, God has given us. The issue is that as Americans, typically we give thanks to God for things that offer us ease in our life rather than the things that Jesus is really about. God, I'm thankful for my job. God, I'm thankful for my bank account. God, I'm thankful for my car. God, I'm thankful for my house. Not, God, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that comes into my life, destroys me, and builds me back up. You thankful for that? Who prayed for that on Thanksgiving Day? No one. (laughs) That's okay. And that's why we come to church, and that's why we love to be in the Word, and we love to hear it preached to us, because it reminds us of who we are as God's children, right? God, I'm thankful for the character of Jesus, which is impossible to replicate, but you have grace for me, and so I walk forward in that. God, I'm thankful for the Old Testament that shows me that humanity is incredibly broken, and we continue to walk away from you, but you love us, and you keep calling our name like the burning bush. Moses, come to me. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for those things. Let us be a people that are thankful for those things. Let the world be thankful for the rest of that stuff. And we don't take it for granted, right? We go to jobs, and we work hard because we want to have a house for our children. But that is not ultimately, at the end of the day, what we will be thankful for when we stand before Jesus in heaven, when the new earth comes. The few ways that we can use this in application are the thankfulness game. It's, it's silly and it's a little bit rote, but it, it really has helped Sydney and I in moments where one or both of us were in a place of of, of darkness, of sadness or pain. That's one way. Um, down here, here, the next thing I have is just stopping. Um, on Drew's calendar, <coughs> he has a, it's right at lunchtime, it's in the middle of the day, and it's just a reminder every single day of every single week, of every single month, of every single year that he is called to stop and pray for Shari, the boys, and y'all every day. So using that same application, using that same practice, can we all agree to put it on our calendar to remind us every day to be thankful for one minute at noon, right? It's these simple liturgical practices that allow us to stop, present ourselves to the Father, 
remember what we're about, give thanks to him, worship him for his goodness, and then jump back into the day. That's one way to do it. Um, the next thing, unplugging. Um, this one has to do mainly with, uh, for me in, in my life, I know that if I'm sitting down to, to pray, have an individual time of worship, or be in the Word, um, my phone is just near me, and it typically becomes a distraction. So when we're offering thankfulness to the Lord one-on-one, -on -one, he and I, and that relationship, just this raw moment of us being thankful and talking to the Lord about what's going on in our lives, put the phone in a different room and just walk away five minutes and then go back. It's a simple way just to offer thankfulness and worship to the Lord in a way that's, that's not distracted. And then we also offer worship uh, by ourselves, in our home, in our car, whenever we're alone, and then communal worship, like this morning, or in our gospel communities when someone plays a song or when we sing a cappella. Friends, family. Jesus is the one where we are given, in my opinion, the most beautiful images <clears throat> of thankfulness. If you want to turn with me, um, you can, to John 11. We're going to be in verses 38, and 40, 38 through 44. Um, Jesus offers uh, thanks many times throughout the Gospels. Uh, he offers thanks for the food that he's going to give to the 5,000. Um, he gives thanks for the children that come to him. But this is, the, this is the scripture that I wanted to point out today because there's a really unique piece of it that I want us to, to recognize. So if you can, if you're there, read with me. If you don't have your Bible or if you just want to close your eyes to hear the gospel read to you, go ahead and do that. Then Jesus, or actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to start in 35. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? He's talking about Lazarus. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, I, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, and his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus gave thanks and worshiped his father even before his father had done anything. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Then he says, Lazarus, come out. 
There is a power in thanking the Lord for his goodness because it is eternal. It was, it is, and it will be. So we give him thanks for that, we worship him for that, and then we move forward in power because the Holy Spirit offers it to us through the blood of Jesus. Amen? We too are called to live and believe in a spirit of thankfulness. When we enter into that same thankfulness and that same thankful faith as Jesus, we are unbound into freedom just as Lazarus was. We are Lazarus. Jesus is thankful for us. He gives thanks to the Father for our lives. And he says, I will go and I will do my work. Here it is saying, Lazarus, get up. In our lives, for our spirits, in our souls, in our hearts, in our lives, it's Jesus on the cross. So, we move back into a spirit of worship. And in worship, we offer thanks. We give thanks to the Father who gives us the ability to take a breath when we wake up who gives us the ability to get into the car, to go to work, to have the strength to do that, the strength to raise our children, the strength to care for our spouses, the strength to love our friends. That is what we are thankful for. Here's the last little slide I have for you. Public communal worship is the truest and most amplified offering of thankfulness that we can give to God as a church, as his church. So as we enter into the season of Advent, the season of expectant thanksgiving, we, one last time before we step into the very beginning of the church calendar, offer him worship and praise in the spirit of thankfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you call us to hard things that are not easy to understand We thank you that we don't fully understand the resurrection. We don't fully understand the Holy Spirit. We don't fully understand the scriptures. But we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you reveal things to us that we are not worthy to have. But because of the blood of Jesus, we become worthy. Give us power to live in thankfulness. Give us power to worship. Amen.